you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. All right, all right. Now, let's not try, let's not have to redo that again next week. As, as a matter of fact, I'm so bad, not bad, but that's not the word, but I say good morning so much in, you know, in my preaching and different things that uh, there was one time someone asked, I think it was Vance, you know, do an impression of your dad preaching. He goes, good morning, church. So that's all he knows that I talk about. So, um, but it is good to be here. It is good to be here. We're going to wrap up uh, for the moment. Uh, we're going to come back to some of these thoughts and ideas uh, later throughout the year and remind ourselves of these things. But over the last few weeks, with the exception of last week, we've been talking about um, our purpose. That even though uh, the world around us has changed, even though there's challenges that face us that we've never had to deal with as a church before, it doesn't change the fact that we have a mission and that we have a purpose as Christians. And that even in, I mean, you look at the church in the book of Acts, they didn't have, their story is not all roses. Their story centers around persecution. It centers around difficult times and difficult moments. And despite those difficult times and those difficult moments, the church exploded onto the scene. And, and it grew. And, and people became Christians. And churches were established. And so the, maybe, maybe the lesson we need to learn over everything is, is that even in times of difficulty, the church is still able to grow. We're not, we're not talking about you know, losing this and losing that. And growing is something that is possible regardless of what's going on. And we do that. We do that when we remember what our purpose is, when we remember what our mission is from Jesus. So I want us to do this together one more time for this particular group of lessons. I want you to read with me what's going to become our, or what has become our 2021 purpose statement. And it says, our purpose is to lead our church family and community to a loving God who wants to reach, connect, and grow with them. Read that with me as we do this together. To lead our church family and community to a loving God who wants to reach, connect, and grow with them. And today we're going to talk about the idea of grow. I, I, I thought about this on a, in a couple of different directions. I, I, the word grow, when you think about church, uh, is, is such a layered word. There's the idea of, of personal growth. There's the idea of um, church growth as, as a congregation, as a family. And I really didn't know exactly how I wanted to go about this, even though I did finally kind of settle on a direction. But, you know, growing is an important thing. And I want you to know, I want you to know this morning that in your life, the thing that God wants for you, okay, the thing that God wants for you more than anything else is for you to grow. That's why he offers salvation. He offers us salvation so that he can connect ourselves, so he can connect ourselves with him, so that in our own life and in our own way, as we go through this journey, that we can take where we are, and even though he says, yes, come to me, come to me where you are, and I'm going to accept you with whatever problems you have, with whatever challenges you have, with whatever issues you have, he says, I want you to come to me so that I can take you where you are, and I can love you where you are, but I can then move you to a place that is better than where you are right now, a place where you can grow. 
And I think one of the great things that God gives us, one of the greatest things that God gives us to aid us in that process is each other. Is each other. I think that it is so important for us as Christians to encourage and help and motivate and push each other to grow. The Hebrew writer says it this way. He says, spur one another along. You know, there's going to be times that we're going to, it doesn't matter how devoted of a Christian that we are. It doesn't matter how excited of a person that we are, how dedicated of a person that we are. We're going to have moments in our faith that we get bogged down that we hit mud and, and our tires just start to spin. And in those moments, the Hebrew writer says, it is our job as brothers and sisters to come up behind us. You know, it's my job. If, if Alex is over here and he's, he's in this moment of, hey, I just, I don't know if I'm going forward. I don't know if I'm going backwards. I'm just here spinning. He says, Matthew, it's your job to come up behind Alex and spur him or push him and motivate him or help him, encourage him to get out of that stuck position and then moving back in a positive direction. I want to share with you and tell you something this morning, and it very much piggybacks what Neil has already shared. And I say this not because... I'm your preacher, and because I'm supposed to say things like this, but I want you to know this morning that I truly believe that this is the most loving church family that I've ever been a part of, that I've ever been a part of. Now, every, every congregation that I've worked with has had something about them that is excellent and awesome and praiseworthy, and it's kind of their thing. And what I have seen from you all, from the moment we moved, even before we moved, the things that you did to prepare for us to move, the way that you helped us move, the way that you took care of us when we moved, and as we had the baby, and then uh, that love and show of caring did not just stop, it just moved on to other people. And I have seen you love so many people in such amazing ways. And I want you to know how much I think that is so awesome. And I want to praise you for that this morning. And I want you to know that when you have a loving church, you have the key ingredient to have a growing church. Amen? Because God says that when we come together and love each other, we're going to help each other grow. We're going to help each other move forward. We're going to motivate each other. And ultimately, ultimately, we're going to succeed in what he wants. And what he wants for us, we see in Romans 8 and verse 29, he says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and, who would, and he knew who would should become like his son. What is God's ultimate goal for us? His ultimate goal for us is for us to become like Jesus. It is for us to love like Jesus loved. It is for us to forgive like Jesus forgave, to be patient like Jesus forgave, to give like Jesus gave. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 says, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. 
I love the word more in that in that sentence, in that verse, because it's this idea that, that I can become like Christ, but yet my becoming like Christ is never finished. I can become more like Christ. And when I have a moment of growth, I get to that next level and I can become even more like Christ. I think about, um, I think about sports teams, and you know, sometimes sports teams, they hit their plateau. They can only be so good. They can only be as good as the talent that they have and as good as that talent is. They're only going to be—they cannot, you know, exceed a certain limit, which is not the case for us in our walk with God. We can always become more and more like Jesus. I think of it in the idea of raising kids. I've got four kids, and as, as happy as I am with each of them with where they are, and as proud as I am with each of them as where they are, I know that there are still years and years and years and years and even more. There's still a lot of time that Blair and I are going to have to invest in teaching in training, in disciplining, and answering questions to help take them from this is where they are to this is where they need to be. And like I said, that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to take us from where we are right here today. And I want you to know that where you are right here today despite the challenges you may have, despite the sin that might be in your life, despite all these things, I want you to know that where you are today, God loves you. And God says, come be my child. Come be part of this family. I love you where you are. But we're also going to bring you into this family and spur you along. We're going to help you grow. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we grow? You know, I like the very first, I like this whole section of Scripture, but I especially like the very first. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know, in all, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What that tells me is that wherever I am in my life, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm going through, God's going to take the things in my life Good, bad, ugly, and he's going to give me the opportunity to take those things and use them to either help me grow. He's going to use them to help me grow. He's going to help me do good things with those things. Now, I can choose to do bad with those things, but he is going to do good with those things if I allow him. So let's talk about the first thing, three things this morning that God uses to help us grow. The first is this. He uses our troubles. He uses our troubles. God uses troubles in our lives to teach us another T word, and that word is trust. God uses troubles to teach us trust. Another word for troubles here you could use is trials. It's experiences that God brings into our life to test us and to help us strengthen our faith. They're not designed to hurt us. They're designed to help us stretch and help us grow. Now, it's your faith is is a fluid thing, but your faith your faith is also a lot like your hamstring muscles. How many of you stretch your hamstrings daily? Yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe one. 
How many of you, if I were to tell you to sit down on the floor and stretch out your hamstring right now, that stretch that's meant to help you would actually hurt you? Okay, so we've got three, four people, five people that's honest, and the rest of you are just lying to yourself. That's a completely different sermon for another day. Our faith is the same way. You know, there can be moments in trials that if we're not continually focused on growth and, and stretching our faith, when those true moments of trouble come, they can feel like they're there to hurt us. But they're not. They're there to stretch us out and to help us become stronger and to help us have more trust in God. When the way we deal with troubles really shows the strength of our relationship. I love Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. Listen to this. Trouble produces patience. This is what happens. He's taking words of, of trouble and showing how when you stretch your faith, how you grow. He says, trouble produces patience. Patience produces character. And character produces hope. It starts with what, though? It starts with troubles. It starts with stretching. It starts with going through a moment that seems difficult. And then James follows this up in James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. He says, and we've been talking about this some on Wednesday nights. He says, dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, not if, when, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Now, I, I want to make it clear, though, that trials don't automatically produce spiritual growth. They don't automatically produce Christ-likeness. They only work is when you deal with them and face them in faith. I'm going to tell you something that I draw comfort from, because I don't want this to all be you know, negative, if you will. I draw comfort from the fact of knowing that my Savior was familiar with troubles. That my Savior was familiar with troubles. Listen to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a beautiful passage prophesying Jesus, and it talks about him in so many different ways. But in this particular verse, he says, and he was despised and rejected by men. How many of you enjoy rejection? How many of you enjoy rejection? Did you know, you don't know this, but I'm going to share it with you. You want to know why I married Blair? For a number of reasons. Blair's turning her head like, what's he fixing to say? Blair is the first girl I ever dated that didn't break up with me. I have never broken up with a single girl in my life. They always rejected me. You're talking about a complex. Blair stuck around, thank goodness. I was just waiting, you know. But she stuck around. We don't like to be rejected. It feels bad. It, it, it makes us just so emotional. and just. But Jesus, he was despised and rejected. He knows that feeling. It says, that, and, and, and a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Listen, you serve a God. You have a Savior who knows what it feels like to be rejected, to have bad days, and to suffer. But he did that according to the Hebrews because he had to learn to be obedient to God, for God. He had to, he had to learn to trust God. 
for their purpose, for his purpose to be met. And then maybe one last thing, one more kind of thought of encouragement, is even though we face troubles, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that our troubles are light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know what that says? He says, look, in the grand scheme of things, even though you may struggle with something for the rest of your life, in the grand scheme of eternity, it's just momentary. And when you get to eternity as a child of God, you're going to turn around and look at the life that you lived here on this side of eternity and go, hey, it was worth it because look what it achieved me. Look where it got me. Look at the goal that I was able to accomplish. So he uses our troubles He uses our troubles. The next thing that I want us to think about is he uses our temptations to make us Christ-like. Now, I want you to understand that God does not tempt you. James talks about that. If you come back Wednesday night, we're going to talk more in depth about that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because of that class. But James chapter 1 and verse 13 says, No one who uh, wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God has never tempted me. Uh, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone either, okay? That's, that's just a little bit of that whole passage. But temptation doesn't come from God. Temptation comes from who? It comes from Satan. But God is able to use the temptation that Satan brings into our life and develop our character through helping us learn how to make decisions and choices, And we can only learn to obey God by making right choices in difficult situations and in moments of temptation. He says, don't say God is tempting me, but understand that God can use that moment to make you more Christ-like. He can use that moment to make you more Christ-like. The encouraging idea behind behind this growth process comes from 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. He says, but remember that the temptation that comes into your life, they are no different than what others experience. What he says first is, hey, look, I want you to look around this room. Look around this room. You're not going to deal with something that you're probably the first person that's ever dealt with it. In some way, someone has dealt with it before. Lean on each other. He says, and God is faithful, and he will keep the temptations from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. I love that idea that God's not going to allow Satan to squash us. Okay, God says you're allowed to tempt them. You're allowed to, you're, you're allowed to bring that struggle into their life, but you're not allowed to overwhelm them with that temptation. But when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in. That's God's promise. He doesn't say it's going to be easy because... Every temptation is irresistible, okay? Every temptation that comes into your life is something that you want to do. It's something that you desire because temptation, that James passage goes on to say that that desire comes from within you. Satan kind of helps it along, but it comes from within you. But God will help us develop habits that shows us that his way is better than our way. His desires are better than our desires, and he will help us overcome those moments in our growth. All right, let's keep going. One last thing here. He uses our trespasses. He uses our trespasses. Now, trespasses are sins that others commit against you. It's things that other people do to you to hurt you. And of all the things we do as disciples, 
I believe forgiving is perhaps the most difficult. It's so hard sometimes to just absorb the pain that may be caused from another Christ follower. It's hard sometimes to learn to forgive because the hurt is so real. The treatment is so unfair. And it's hard to not seek revenge and even the score. But that's what Christ did. He overcame those desires. He carried that hurt. He carried that pain. And he offered forgiveness. I believe that's why we need fellowship. I believe that's why we need fellowship. Because it's easy to follow God when everything's going great, isn't it? It's easy to follow God when everything's perfect. When you're in that season of blessing and you're on the mountaintop and everything's going great and everything's going grand, everything is going to be wonderful. And I really don't think that's faith. I mean, that's just enjoying blessings. Faith comes when you're challenged. That's when your faith comes into play. It's when you're challenged. It helps you overcome things. And so, like any family, like any family, again, my kids, my kids love each other. My kids love each other. They, they play so well together. They spend a lot of time together. But inevitably, if they spend enough time together, what's going to happen between them? They're going to have a fight. They're going to fuss. You're going to hear one of them yelling at the other. One's going to hit one or slap one. You know, I don't know. They're, they're going to have a moment of tension. They're going to have trespasses against each other. And the same thing happens to us when we spend enough time with our brothers and sisters. I love you and you love me. But if we spend enough time with each other, we're going to have a moment where we get on each other's nerves, aren't we? It's just going to happen. It's just natural. And in those moments is when we learn to forgive. It's when we learn how to deal with this difficult trespass. And so next time, I don't know, maybe this is just a perspective thing for you. Next time someone in our church family hurts your feelings, because it's, it's going to happen. Next time... Maybe you hear someone has said something bad about you that they shouldn't have said. They've gossiped about you. Instead of being mad, be thankful. Be thankful that they are giving you a moment to grow, to become more like Christ. Because you see, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, this is a descriptor from Matthew of what's going on around him. This is kind of different parts of verses, chapter 27, verses 34, or 39 through 44. It says, people passed by, shook their heads, and hurled insults at him. And the elders made fun of him. That's the, that's the leaders of Israel. Even the bandits who had been crucified with him insulted him in the same way. They're in no better shape than he is. And they're talking trash to Jesus. But what does Jesus do? Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. You know what I've learned is when people hurt me, when people take me to task and they want to try to tear me down, they fall into this category of, you know what, they really don't know what they're doing. They really don't know why they're being this way. They just are reacting or they're, they're letting some of their own hurt out to hurt other people. Did Jesus have the ability in, in all righteousness to come down and punish all these people? Absolutely. Did he have to forgive them? Uh, that's a debate that we could have. I think the human side of us would say he didn't have to. Maybe the, the holy side says yes. 
But what I know is that as a child of God in my own growth, I have to forgive others just as God forgave me because of Christ. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. We have a great purpose. We have a great reason to have positiveness. And that's because God has great things in store for us. God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow as individuals. God wants us to grow as a church. He wants us to reach into our community. And he wants us to connect so closely to one another that that's what we are as family. And I hope that over these three lessons that maybe it has made you think about some things and, and helped you maybe move in a direction to where you are cross-like. And we're going to talk more about these concepts as the year goes on because I don't want us to forget what our purpose is. Let's go to God in prayer and then we'll have our moment of invitation. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We thank you for these people that have come and, and have sung praises to you today. We thank you for our online family that has joined us in spirit today, God. We're so grateful for their presence as well. And we pray that our time together has been uplifting and encouraging to each other, that we have spurred one another along, and that we have grown closer to you. God, help us to grow. Help us to look at challenging moments and not shy away from them, but to use those moments to stretch our faith and to grow closer to you. May we never be afraid of that challenge, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his example of how to deal with suffering and troubles and trials and trespasses. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.